Hey, it's Josh. Before we get into the episode, I wanted to let you all know that the Vermont Public Spring Membership Drive has arrived. Donations from folks like you make everything we do here possible. If you want to help support our people-powered journalism, be sure to make a donation in any amount by March 16th by going to bravelittlestate.org donate. And as always, thank you for your support. All right, we're sitting here at the Tennybrook Dunkin' Donuts. That's my colleague Pete Hirschfeld in a parking lot in Rutland. He's on a reporting trip with our winning question asker, Mike Leonard. Um, let's do a quick pre-brief here. Sounds good. So we're about to go see Kat and Joseph. Uh, recent transplants, COVID transplants, moved here during the pandemic. Uh, what's our opportunity here in terms of getting at some of the questions we're trying to answer in this episode? Yeah, I'm hoping um, they'll be able to shed a little bit of light, not only on why they moved, moved here, um, but also what the response has been since they moved here, I think. That's going to be really interesting to hear. Mike lives north of here in Montpelier. He's a nurse and his husband is an elementary school teacher, so they're both on the front lines of the pandemic. And Mike's question is about the pandemic, too. Here's what he told me the first time we talked. Yeah, so my question was, what is actually going on with real estate due to the pandemic in Vermont? Is Vermont population booming all of a sudden? Maybe you've heard the stories Mike has about out-of-staters snapping up properties sight unseen. Um, So it just seems to be circulating everywhere. I have a couple of friends who work in real estate, and they say that they've been busier than they've ever been before. I have other kind of young Vermont friends who are looking to buy a home, and it seems to be like a market that is not very kind to sort of first home buyers right now. So Mike's wondering about this trend and the impact that COVID transplants might have on Vermont. I think it asks a lot of other sort of existential Vermont questions about what is that doing to our population? What is that doing to our school districts? Um, Like are the people who are moving here, indeed they are, are they looking to stay or are they looking to just sort of have an apocalyptic bunker until all of this is over? From Vermont Public Radio, this is Brave Little State. I'm Angela Evansy. And I'm Peter Hirschfeld. Here on the show, we answer questions about Vermont that have been asked and voted on by you, our listeners, because we think our journalism is better when you're a part of it. Today, is Vermont's population really booming because of COVID? People are searching for safety right now. I never would have thought in 2020 I'd move back to Vermont. Dover was expecting to have 86 students, and they have 117. And how will these newcomers reshape their communities? I chose it as a place where I thought this is a place where I could sort of contribute in some meaningful way. I think we all just want people who want to stay, but like who really know the deal. We have support from the VPR Innovation Fund. Welcome. Thanks to Vita for their support of Brave Little State. Since 1974, Vita has helped Vermont businesses grow and thrive. From agriculture to energy, startups to family companies. Find solutions that fit your business. Visit VEDA.org to start your next chapter today. And Sunset Lake CBD, a farmer-owned business crafting CBD products right here in Vermont. Learn more about their sustainable farming practices, delivery options, and how to support local farmers 
at sunsetlakecbd.com. All right, let's have a casual conversation. <laughs> let's have a casual conversation. So Pete, tell us, what is going on with real estate due to the pandemic? Is Vermont's population really booming right now? You'd certainly think that we are based on the number of news stories uh, that we've seen in recent months about this alleged phenomenon. Um, there have been stories in Vermont media about new arrivals to Vermont. The New York Times even parachuted into Windhall to do a story on the phenomenon there. Here's the thing. Uh, the hard data just doesn't exist right now to back this narrative up um, or, or doesn't exist yet. Uh, and trust me when I tell you I tried pretty hard to find that data. And the obvious place to start seemed like the Department of Taxes, which tracks the number of properties that are bought and sold in the state of Vermont. Uh, the number of properties sold during the pandemic is down over last year, uh, and not by a small amount either. Property transfer filings are down by more than 20% through August. Mm. Uh, what I learned, though, is that doesn't necessarily mean that we aren't experiencing a population boom because that property transfer data doesn't tell us whether the person who purchased the property is coming in from out of state or if that sale was between Vermonters. And there's one more caveat to this data. There may be a lag in property transfer filings. The pandemic has gummed up the works at municipalities, which means there may be a delay in home sales data making its way to the state. So just because we haven't seen a spike in property sales yet doesn't mean we won't. So the numbers might just be lagging, but even if we did have all of those filings in front of us, we wouldn't be able to easily tell how many of those properties were sold to out-of-staters. Yeah, exactly. I thought there may be some other data points we could look to. Uh, I reached out to the Agency of Education. Um, Mike and I actually figured if lots of new families are coming to Vermont, Presumably, we would see an uptick in student enrollment. Um, unfortunately, the Agency of Education says they won't have firm statewide numbers on fall enrollment until January or February of next year. I tried the DMV as well to see if they have any data on the number of out-of-staters getting Vermont driver's licenses or license plates. Um, I struck out there too, though. They said they don't track any data points that would reveal the number of people newly establishing residency here. So as far as hard numbers go that might indicate a boom, those are actually pretty elusive. But I feel like people who are listening right now might be saying, well, hey, I've got a new neighbor from New York City. I see all these people moving in. So it's not not happening, right? Uh, it is definitely not not happening. Um, people are coming here. And our question asker, Mike and I, carpooled down to Rutland recently to meet two of them. And the animal hospital. And they're the big yellow house. Oh, so all right. this is us. Oh, I love the color. This century-old farmhouse on the outskirts of downtown Rutland got its latest owners in July. Hey there. How's, How's it going? going? Good, good. Are you Joseph? I am. Are you Joe or Joseph? Well, Joseph, but um, all my life I've gone by JT. Oh, JT. Yeah. Hi. I'm yeah. Mike. Mike, how do you do? I'm nice Pete. To meet you. Good to meet you, JT. Yeah. And your name is? Before coming to Vermont, J.T. Look had spent the last five years living in the Fishtown neighborhood in Philadelphia. He worked at a bike shop in Philly, and he's already running his own business out of the garage here. So this is the bike shop? This is the bike shop. Yeah, let me just go grab Kat real quick. She had a Zoom going. Okay. Kat Garland, who J.T.'s running to get right now, is J.T.'s housemate. Hi, I'm Kat. Hey, Kat. Hi. This is Mike. Mike. Nice to, to meet you. And I'm Pete. Nice to meet you. Great to meet you. She'd been living in Brooklyn, where she worked as a high school teacher. Now she's a professor at the Rutland campus of Community College of Vermont. I've been in 
Our question asker Mike really wanted to know what compelled Kat and JT to move to Vermont in the middle of a pandemic. And it turns out the pandemic itself was a big reason. The pandemic really brought out not great things about the city and shut down all the good things about the city. Um, and it actually just kind of made it easier for me to be like, yeah, like I miss Vermont, I miss the outdoors, I miss the space, I miss that it's not crowded, I miss the night sky. Have you sensed any like, like getting hairy eyeballs from people who are like, oh, some more out-of-staters coming to I still, I'm still have, I still have my Pennsylvania tags. Yeah. I can notice it a little bit in all due honesty. That car but. is not fun to park at Hannaford. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like, you know, carrying a sign that's like, I have quarantined. I've been here since July. Both Kat and JT had lived in Vermont before, and they'd both been playing with the idea of moving back here. COVID just happened to expedite that. And that was the case for another COVID transplant I talked to. I never would have thought in 2020 I'd move back to Vermont. That's Siobhan Kelly. And I currently live in Williston, Vermont, and previously was living in Somerville, Massachusetts for five years. Siobhan works for an international NGO called Last Mile Health. She grew up in Vermont and always wanted to move back here at some point, but she figured leaving Boston would require a major professional sacrifice. Until suddenly, it didn't. Our office in Boston is closed indefinitely, so I asked if I could move to Vermont and just continue working for the organization from Vermont for the future, which has been great. Siobhan says she's been cleared by her employer to work from home permanently, and so she's here for good now. And that's definitely been something that's been a nice kind of highlight of 2020 amidst such a hard year. My name is Ali Jalili. I live in Burlington, Vermont. Ali Jalili moved to Vermont from Washington, D.C. with his wife and two sons in March. They decided a while ago they wanted to make Vermont home, but when COVID hit, they fast-tracked the move. Before this, they'd lived all over the place as career foreign service workers for the U.S. State Department. Colombia, Kenya, Mexico, Russia, Thailand, Canada. As Ali approached retirement, which happens at the tender age of 50 for foreign service workers, he began looking for a place to put down real roots for the first time in his adult life. And he started to fall in love with the idea of Burlington, Vermont. So then, uh, just based on literally online research, it sort of started to rise towards the top of places. I've been covering politics and state government in Vermont for more than a decade. And just about every elected official in Vermont will tell you Vermont's biggest challenge is its demographics. That the proportion of old people to young people is on pace to become terrifyingly lopsided and could take a toll on everything from our economy to our tax revenues to our public schools. Concerns about our aging population are so pronounced that about two years ago, the legislature passed a bill that literally paid working age people to move here. But for people like Siobhan Kelly or J.T. Look or Kat Garland, COVID made the case for Vermont way better than any promotional campaign ever could. Who needs remote worker incentives when you've got a pandemic? Have you been hearing uh, this sense that, huh, um, it feels like a lot of folks have identified Vermont as uh, sort of a refuge? You're hearing the same thing we are. And I think if you talk to realtors, you will find that they are very busy. That's Lyle Jepson. And I'm the executive director of the Chamber and Economic Development of the Rutland Region. 
Jepson and his organization have been trying for years to get more out-of-staters to move here. They even have a program called Real Rutland. And it was prompted by the serious concern that we had in Rutland County and around the state about population decline and how that was affecting communities, how it was affecting businesses. Jepson bought into the benefits of population growth a long time ago. So if Vermont's relative success with COVID-19 is what brings folks in, then he says Rutland is waiting with open arms. People are seeing that outside of the state of Vermont. They're recognizing that we have not taken control of COVID because you can't, but we are doing everything we can to keep everyone safe. People are searching for safety right now. It's Brave Little State. I'm Angela Evansy. We're talking today about Vermont's alleged COVID boom and how it's hard to tell from the numbers how pronounced it really is. Now we're going to revisit a key part of our question asker Mike's inquiry. Regardless of whether there's a boom per se, we do have some newcomers here. So what are their intentions? Like are the people who are moving here, if indeed they are, are they looking to stay or are they looking to to sort of have an apocalyptic bunker until all of this is over. Here's Pete. Well, the people I talk to, at least, they don't just want to stay in Vermont. They want to become engaged citizens in their new hometowns. I chose it as a place where I thought this is a place where I could sort of contribute in some meaningful way to the community in a tangible way that I could potentially see results. That's Ali Jalili again. And this sense of civic responsibility to a place where you're still getting your bearings is something JT and Kat and Rutland feel as well. Both of us, every place we've lived, have always felt like we want to contribute to the community. I've always been a teacher and an educator, and that's really important to me. And JT's always been working with the public, doing bike shops or different things like that. Kat and JT have been hearing the same stories we all have about this alleged population boom, and it's something they've been thinking a lot about, because they watch their old neighborhoods in Brooklyn and Philadelphia get gentrified. Some improvements are good, but it changes the fabric of the community, and it changes who can afford to live there. And I think for both communities, it was heartbreaking to see who had to move out. So Mike and I ask Kat and JT, if young professionals like them start gravitating toward Vermont, what does it mean for the people that already live here? How does Vermont change um, when that happens? And particularly in communities that might not be as used to it. You know, like the ski towns, for example, I think are used to people coming in and then leaving um, and then coming in again. A town like Rutland, maybe not so much. I hope that the outcome is positive, of course. Like, I hope people can bring in new ideas that fit in or new energy or just more hands to help, right? More people to volunteer at the food center or different things like that. And Ali Jalili says he sees volunteerism as a sort of entry point to his new community. I have uh, just finished training to join the uh, Community Justice Center as a panel member on their restorative justice uh, panels. Uh, in fact, I'm, I'm going to participate in one as an observer tonight. Before moving here, Ali says he heard Vermont had a reputation for not wanting outsiders to move in, but he says new arrivals like him can breathe life into the state. I kind of feel like people don't adequately appreciate the value of new blood, new life, more people. Um, you know, you need more taxpayers, you need more kids in schools, you need more families. That's what makes community. 
And new arrivals like Shabon Kelly don't just want to reside here, they want to be a part of the place. I really look forward to being able to get more involved in the community, support more progressive causes locally, and really get to know more of my, my new neighbors. It's really exciting. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a huge influx of people that are super curious about the Vermont lifestyle, and they're trying to see, is this a long-term thing or is this a short-term thing? The last person we're going to hear from is Bill Anton. He's seen firsthand evidence of the COVID boom at the local level at two elementary schools and a supervisory union in Wyndham County, where Anton serves as superintendent. Dover was expecting to have 86 students uh, enrolled in the fall, and they have 117. And this is for elementary school, pre-K through six. Um, Wardsboro was expecting to have 40, and they have 48. That's an unusually large increase in student enrollment. And it came after nearly 30 families moved to the area during the pandemic. Anton says most of them are from out of state. And he says life in small town Vermont is kind of blowing their minds. Because people are really curious. What, what is a board meeting? Because if they come from New York City or if they come from New Jersey, board meetings are, you know, televised. They are five people that are behind podiums. They don't really know those people. Uh, public doesn't have a real opportunity just to have conversations. Um, it feels so much more intimate in Vermont. So what do these new arrivals mean for the region? Bill Anton has a pretty rosy view. I'm probably being very optimistic, but I don't foresee a lot of tension because the people that have come are excited about what is being delivered. And the community whether it was pre-planned or just the regular way of doing business, they're ready for people to come. I asked Anton, what if these new COVID transplants are just the tip of the iceberg? What if even more people relocate to these towns and the schools have more kids than they know what to do with? I would love that problem. I would absolutely love 200 people to move into different towns and figure out how to navigate housing and how to navigate school and how to navigate um, transportation and how to navigate broadband expansion. And there'll probably be some growing pains, but those are good growing pains because you're growing. Thanks so much for listening to the show. And thanks to Mike Leonard for the great question and everyone who got in touch to share your reasons for moving to Vermont. We welcome you all. If you want to learn more about your new home state, check out our archive and ask a question at bravelittlestate.org. We also have a newsletter you might like, and we're on Instagram and Twitter at BraveStateVT. This episode was reported by Peter Hirschfeld, with editing from Mark Davis and me. Our digital producer is Elodie Reed, and we have engineering support from Chris Albertine. Ty Gibbons composed our theme music, other music by Blue Dot Sessions. Brave Little State is a production of Vermont Public Radio. We have support from the VPR Innovation Fund. You can support us with a gift at bravelittlestate.org donate. Or just tell your friends to listen. I'm Angela Evansy. We'll be back soon. Until then, remember, be brave, ask questions. At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. 
NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts.